Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Cool. All right. Hey, now that the, everybody with the online campus has been hearing me, you know, not hearing me as I've been muttering and talking to you, welcome online campus. Thanks for uh, hanging in there. Um, and so a big, huge thank you to you. We're in, uh, we're in Advent. And so as, as a church, one of the things that we're doing through, through Advent, through Christmas, is um, we're, we're working on a little de- devotional together. And so whether you've been celebrating Advent for a really long time or whether you're just kind of getting to, you know, the first experiences with Advent or just getting to know Jesus right now, because I know that we've got a lot of people who are like, just getting to know Jesus and who he is right um, this is a neat neat way to do that every day there is just a there's just a short short reading with some with a little scripture passage and uh, and it's and it's written for us and it's right in the title because it says it's the sinner saint devotional and so that's us we are both um, both sinners as well as saints God has by grace through faith declared that that each and every one of you who's believing in Jesus you're a saint, and a saint literally just means holy one. And we're not holy because of what we do, but because of God declaring us to be holy. And so um, if you follow along with this and you're reading through the day, when you read Sundays, you're going to be like, oh, hey, that's the same Bible passage that, that Pastor Jay or Pastor Nick was speaking on. Yeah, that's intentional. Like we're, you know, and so uh, if, you've got, if you've got an opportunity, if you're looking for something just to, to draw near and focus on the Lord during this season. I encourage you. We've got a few of these in back. If you, you know, uh, if if you have the the cash or whatever, or check, or you can you can donate, or you can you can donate to you know to um, on online on the website and all that good stuff too. Um, or if you just like one and you're like, hey, I don't have the uh, the ten bucks. Is it ten bucks? I don't know. Um, I don't have it. You just you know, talk to me. You can have one. Um, and if you're saying, hey, I don't, I don't read on those paper books. That's so ancient. It's okay. This is also available to, uh, you know, like download on your most popular reading apps, which is what I do. So um, if you're interested, join with us. If not, that's okay too. And, um, and as we, this is weird today, as we, um, as we dig into the second week of Advent, Traditionally, the second week of Advent, the second candle would be the, the peace candle. It would be hope and then peace. Uh, but as we were going through um, our devotional um, this week, we're, we're really focusing on grace. And, uh, and taking the time, which is not a stretch for me because it's really the fa- my favorite thing to talk about is grace. And so, um, so today as we talk about grace, we're, we're focusing on, on who who Mary is, and who God is, and how God sees Mary as this, I mean, because God chooses an ordinary little girl in a teeny tiny, poor, little, out-of-the-way town 
that's not the place that anybody expected a Savior, you know, to be coming out of. And God looks at her with grace eyes. And she believes what God says to her and responds with this amazing faith testimony. And, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And the encouragement to you and to me is, um, is the same way that, that God the Father looks at Mary. He looks at you with grace eyes. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, reading in Jesus' name because it's God's word, not mine. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age is also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here's a reading of God's word. Yep, gone. I mean, it's just, this is absolutely amazing. Ordinary girl, in the, just in the, in the middle of nowhere, and, and God sees her. God sees her. And he looks right at her, and, and, and as he sees her with, with his grace eyes and, and chooses her to be the one who will give birth to the Son of God, the Savior. God calls his, his guy, the angel Gabriel, same guy, you know, same angel who, who delivered the message to, to Zechariah. Thankfully, this message delivery goes a little bit easier. Um, and, you know, he go, goes and talks, to, you know, Gabriel gets to go and appear to Mary. And she doesn't know what's going on. She's trying to figure it all out. But the first thing that this messenger, Gabriel, an angel, says to, says to Mary, this little girl, is greetings. Oh, favored one. Hey. 
And she's just trying to figure out what does that mean. Well, I, I could tell you a little bit about what that means because what the, the word there that we translate for favored one also means graced one or one who has received grace. And so an angel pops in and talks to Mary and says, hey, graced one. That's, that's how God sees that's how God sees Mary, as one who has received grace. And then he's got a life-changing message for her. Hey, I've got good news. You're going to have a son. And it's not just going to be your son. It's going to be the son of God. He's going to be great. People are going to call him the son of the most high. And, and I've been telling you, he's going to have his throne, the throne of his father, David. The, you know, and he's going to sit on, on David's throne. And of his kingdom, there's going to be no end. And she's like, uh, how's that going to happen? I'm, sure, I'm not sure if like, angels understand how like, the whole childbearing thing kind of works. But I'm a virgin as in, I'm not married, and I haven't done any of those sorts of things. So therefore, on, here on earth, people have to have a few things done before they have a baby. And then the, the angel's explanation is not helpful at all. Because what does the angel say? The angel says, all right, here we go. We're going to dig into the, the explanation for, uh, for how is this going to happen. And, you know, this is so funny. Because sometimes the wind seems to blow on my Bible and turn the page, even though it's not actual pages. What the angel says is in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you, know, and you shall call his name Jesus, he will be great, called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, his kingdom will be no end. And Mary says, how's this going to happen since I'm a virgin? And the angel says to her, great explanation. You guys ready? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Uh, okay. I mean, when we're, when we're worshiping in here, and sometimes, I, you know, as, as you're either hearing the scriptures, or maybe you're, you're singing, and you're, you know, occasionally you can feel the Holy Spirit falling upon you. Thankfully, not every time does the Holy Spirit fall upon you do we all get pregnant. So apparently that's not the full explanation. I know. <laughs> Man, really dodged on that one. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Okay. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. At which point do you all now fully understand how Jesus was conceived? I don't understand how it, how it happened. But we do understand and we do believe that the child that was conceived is both the son of man, born of Mary, and the son of God, placed there by God and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is holy, pure, perfect, sinless. 
That's who he is. Whether we understand how that happened or not, whether we get it or not. And as, and as the angel explains, hey, don't worry, um, you know, um, you, you, your cousin Elizabeth, I know she's old, but her and her you know, husband Zechariah, they're going to have a kid too. Not as miraculous as yours, but still miraculous. And, um, and, and, and Mary's still just trying to wrap her head around how on earth does this work? Because it seems impossible. Virgins don't just conceive children and certainly not the Son of God. And the angel says that with God, with God, nothing's impossible. And that is really, really good news for us. And Mary, a young virgin, standing face to face with God's messenger, the angel Gabriel, utters one of the most beautiful faith statements in all of Scripture. Echoes faith statements all the way back to Abraham. She says, I'm the servant of the Lord God. Let it be to me. I'm the servant of the Lord God. Let it be to me according to your word. And all too often, when, when I encounter things in my life, I think, well, I don't want to do that. Or I'll think, hey, let it be to me according to my word. But this statement of faith from a graced girl is incredibly moving. Her identity, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of the Lord God. Her faith, let it be to me. Not according to her plan or timing or any of those sorts of things, but according to his word. And then, boom, he's gone. Disappeared. And you're like, well, okay, well, well, what's next? You know, what do we do? What do we do next? And so, you know, the angel leaves, and she's, you know, going to be pregnant. And she's like, I don't know what even. They didn't give her like a time frame or a schedule. It's not like it's not put on her calendar. I don't know what's going on with that. And so she hears that Elizabeth is, you know, her cousin, even though she's old, is going to be, um, you know, having a baby too. And so she gets on the road. She goes to visit her cousin. And uh, and Pastor Nick told you told you a whole bunch of that story. And as she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, she, as soon as Elizabeth hears Mary, as soon as she gets to the house, I don't know, you like, your house might be, you know, I don't know if your house is like my house. I've got different kinds of people, you know, who stop by my house and, you know, and different people stop by my house different ways. You know, like some family just kind of walks in you know, and, and they take, they kick their shoes off, they hang their coat up, hopefully they're hanging it up, some of them just throw it on the floor, you know, and um, that doesn't happen at your house, I'm sure, you know, nobody ever throws the, <laughs> the coats on the floor or anything, no, 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 other people's houses, I, I, you know, and so like people, some people come over my house, they just walk right in, some people walk in and they shout it out, hey Jay, 
You know, hey, Heidi. Usually it's hey, Heidi, actually, let's be honest. <laughs> they're not really looking for me. You know, some family, they, some people come to the house and they ring the doorbell and then kind of take a step back, you know, away from the door, like waiting. Let's see how Pastor Jay is today. No, you know, like some, some people are, are knockers, like they're knocking on the door because they somehow miss the doorbell or something along those lines. I don't know. Different people come to my house in different ways, and maybe it's the same as your house. Different people show up. Maybe, you know, like, you know, like Yunkins, your, your presence gets announced before even, you know, before even, you know, getting to the door. Because, you know, like, was that car coming to the driveway? <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, or, or you, know, you know, I don't know. But at Elizabeth's house, when Mary comes to the house, and as soon as Elizabeth hears Mary's voice... The baby inside her, John the Baptist, unborn, starts jumping for joy. There is a praise party inside of her womb at the mere presence of the Son of God in the womb of Mary. Yes, as soon as John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth's womb comes into the presence of of the Son of God, even though he has not yet been born. John starts praising. He's jumping for joy inside of the womb. Who says kids can't believe? Oh, wow! You come into the presence of God, and like there's a praise party happening. And then, and then all of a sudden, Mary starts. Now, it's normally called, you know, the Magnificat or Mary's Song of Praise. I don't know if she was actually singing. I personally am not the biggest musical fans. You know, uh, you know I don't know. Maybe you guys like musicals. Anybody, any, any fans of the musical out there? Yeah, I know. There, you out there? Becca is a huge fan of musicals. And so, like, in my mind, the only thing that could possibly happen is that Mary stops by Elizabeth's house, you know, and then there's this praise party in their wombs, and then all of a sudden it, like, shifts into, like, musical, and Mary just starts singing, you know. I know, right? I don't know if it actually happened that way. I don't know if Mary was actually singing and went full-on musical. But what it does say is it says, and Mary said, verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, and behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned home. Wow. 
Wow. Mary, O oh, favored one, one who has received grace, sees herself and God with grace eyes. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. It is not just John the Baptist and the you know, unborn John the Baptist and unborn Jesus who are, who are leaping for joy and praising God in the womb. Mary, Mary's praising God too and she's joining into the, into the worship time. And, 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 and then all of a sudden she confesses exactly who she is for he has looked on the humble of state of his servant. Now what we're not talking about when this word here that's translated for humble estate is we're not talking about some, some advanced estate planning so that you could be prepared for later years. No, we're not talking about estate planning, okay? We're, we're also not talking about the characteristic of, of, of humility or being humble, okay? Um, maybe I have, I have been known to be less than humble at times, a lot of times, we're not talking about that humble person that you know. You know who they are. They whip up, you know, these amazing Christmas cookies for you and for your family, and they give them to you as a gift, and it's all wrapped up all nice and perfectly, and you're like, oh, hey, Merry Christmas. And you're like, this is awesome. How? No, no, no. It's just a little thing. Don't worry. Oh, not that kind of humble. The word here that translates humble estate is the word for Low. It is the word for poor. You see, the Lord God, our Savior, has looked on his poor servant. Looked on his poor servant. I remember the day... I remember the day that I thought of myself as poor. Growing up, maybe you don't even realize, you know, kind of like where, where you're at socioeconomically. Heidi and I um, had moved from New Jersey to Minnesota. Um, Becca was just a, uh, was a, was a toddlery baby kind of person. Um, and, um, and, and we and Heidi's working full time. I'm working two or three jobs and going to grad school, you know, full time at seminary. And there's still too much month at the end of the paychecks. And then, good news, we're gonna have another kid. Yeah, we find out that, that Heidi is, is pregnant and we're going to have a, a second one and we don't have enough money right now to even... We didn't have health insurance. And so we went to the state. We got on welfare. And food stamps. But being in the office, that wasn't the day that I felt poor. It was the first grocery shopping trip. 
we got this list of like approved foods, you know, that we could that we could put in into the cart. You know, you have to pick exactly the right peanut butter. You have to pick exactly the right cheese. That is not cheese. Anyone who has had it, it is not cheese. I don't know what it is. I don't know what kind of factory they cook that stuff up in. That ain't cheese. But that's what's approved. And so you've got to put the right cheese in. And then you're, you know, we're walking through the, the aisles and you get to the cereal aisle and you got to pick out the exact right cereal that is covered. And oh, it happens to be not be the cereal that Becca wants because back Becca wants that cereal with the shiny package and it tastes super sweet. But no, that one you don't get for free. You get this one for free that tastes like cardboard. And you know, and you, you, you put it in the aisle and I, and I worked so hard. I worked so hard to follow the list and pick out all the right things. But sure enough, when you get up to the register and you got to like divide up your shopping list and you're like, I can pay for these three things. And the state gets to help me pay for the rest. And I worked so hard to follow the list. And you get up to the front and the girl at the register, just doing her job, doing the best that she possibly can, is looking at it and she's like, I don't know, I'm gonna have to ask a manager. And then <laughs> get over the loudspeaker, over the entire store. Yeah, we need some help over here. On register three. And I felt like, I felt like she was just announcing to the whole wide world over a loudspeaker this guy's poor. He can't feed his family. He needs help. On aisle three. That's, that's when I felt poor. But the poor that we're talking about here isn't just financially poor. It's not just, I need help with my groceries poor. It's not just, I can't pay for insurance poor. The kind of poor that is being talked about with this humble estate is the poverty of spirit that spiritually I'm bankrupt. That the Lord has come for those who are spiritually poor who come before the Lord and they say, I can't do it. I've tried so hard to follow the list, Lord. But you get up to the register before the Lord and you still just didn't get it right and you just need help. Poor. I can't do it right every day. I've tried so hard. I can't, I can't live good enough. I can't. Don't even feel like we believe enough some days. Poor, spiritually bankrupt poor. And that's who the Lord comes for. And so as we hear Mary, and that God looks at her with grace eyes, and God gives her grace, and she receives it, and she responds with faith. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me. Let it be to me according to your word.
That's the word that the Lord miraculously sent his son to be our savior because we need help, because we are poor. And so for each and every one of us who has felt poor, for each and every one of us who has felt spiritually poor, like before God, we just can't do it right. God looks at you with grace eyes, generously gives you favor, and says that you are loved and forgiven. And we, when we come into his presence, we just get to praise him. Praise him. I know it doesn't feel good to be poor. I hated that day. I don't even like telling you the story. Because even that seems embarrassing. And that's the fraction of the poverty. That's a fraction of our spiritual poverty. Our need for what only God could do. So just as God looks at Mary with grace eyes, God looks at you with grace eyes too. It's my hope, my prayer, that we will respond like Mary's awesome statement of faith, that as we see that we are looked upon with grace from God, that we too would respond I'm the Lord's servant. I'm your servant, Lord. And I'm poor and I need your help. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to us according to his word. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, come before you with praise and thanksgiving. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you for looking our way and not turning away and averting your eyes. Thank you for looking at us with grace eyes, having graced us. And we ask you, Lord God, to give us faith to receive that grace, to believe you, and not just to stand embarrassed in our spiritual poverty. We are poor, but we are your servants. We come in your name to your throne to receive help and mercy in our time of need. And Lord, we need you. Thank you for loving us, giving us faith and grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I know I've recommended this book to you. I've got another book just in case you were in case you were feeling poor and low this holiday season. It's called Gentle and Lowly and um it talks a little bit about um who God is. And, and it's about the heart of Jesus Christ, that Jesus says that he is gentle and lowly. No? And um, the, 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 just a little, let me read to you just a little excerpt from, from Gentle and Lowly. 
In, in Mary's song, while pregnant with Jesus, for example, this word lowly or humble estate is, is used to speak of the way that God exalts those of, who are of humble estate. Paul uses the word when he tells us not to be haughty, but to associate with the lowly, referring to the socially unimpressive, those who are not the life of the party, but rather cause the host to cringe when they show up. The point in saying that Jesus is lowly is that he is accessible. For all of his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, not one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. No prerequisites, no hoops to jump through. No impression was left by his life manifestation more deeply imprinted upon the consciousness of his followers than that the noble humility of his bearing, the minimum bar to be enfolded into the embrace of Jesus is simply Open yourselves up to him. It's all he needs. Indeed, it's the only thing he works with. Jesus Christ is the most accessible person in all of humanity. When I say that he is lowly, I'm not putting him down. But he stoops down to be with us, to be with you. Amen.